0: We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not. For generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world, I am Ricky McEachran, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Photographer Melissa Ann Penny is best known for her studies of the social lives and emerging identities of American girls and women. Her photographs have won her numerous fellowships and awards and found their way into the collections of major museums in the U.S. and abroad. Melissa and I had an initial conversation for Eager to Know, but after its completion, we decided we wanted to connect again to clarify and expand some of the topics we discussed. I'm glad we decided on a second meeting because that meeting is what I ended up using for this podcast. We start our discussion with Melissa talking about some misconceptions about fine photography.
1: The kind of layman's assumption that pictures almost make themselves. You just have to have the right camera, you know? Um, and, and people have asked me that, especially about the school pictures, and especially about the ones where there's all this stuff going on and, you know, the assumption is either that I wrangled everything and posed everybody or that I just kind of dropped from the sky at the right second. And it was all there waiting for me. And I just took the picture, you know, I just shot the picture. Um, and, you know, of course, people don't know. A lot of people don't know how photographers work and everybody works differently too. It's not that everybody works in the same way.
0: So what would would you want people to know? Like, here's your chance, you know, that people people assume that. Everybody now has an iPhone. It's no longer 1953 where my dad had his film camera. Um, Everyone has an iPhone, which has all this advanced stuff. There's not only do they have that, they also have Instagram. So they can share all of their photographs to the world and they can take as many as they want. So that makes people assume things when they see your photographs. So what do you want them to know?
1: Well, none of those things necessarily make the pictures any good. Mm -hmm. You know, what makes the pictures good is paying attention Mm -hmm. um, and being open to whatever's going to happen. So not having preconceived ideas of what kind of picture you're going to make. Mm -hmm. because when I'm working in the schools, especially on the playgrounds, and kids are running around, and you know things are changing in less than a second, they're changing all the time, so nothing's ever just like a tableau that's right there waiting for me to just recognize it um you know you you have to get a sense of where the energy is and get yourself there, and you know get yourself in the right place um, because if you're two feet to the left or two feet to the right, you know, it's a completely different picture. Or if you're a tall person. Um, So I guess I want people to understand that the pictures come from this whole kind of evolution of events, you know, finding, sort of being attuned to the energy, finding, the possibility of a picture, because you never know if there will be one. Mm -hmm. And if there is one, you don't know that you're gonna actually get it. Um, Because sometimes you just can't kind of find the way through, you know, to organize all that stuff. And I'm talking about some of my pictures that are really complicated visually. Um, You know, just like any other picture, you have to, it has to be composed so that the viewer can find a way into it.
0: so, Melissa, do you see, uh, I'm going to throw something out there and you can react to it. Do you okay. kind of see the world as all of these pictures happening, actively happening, and you have to navigate and position yourself to capture them? But regardless of whether you were there or not, like you see the world as pictures actually happening. Um, and you,
1: yeah, 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 they're, they're happening all the time.
0: See, I don't and- think most people think that.
1: Uh, you know, and the thing is if you stop and pay attention, uh, oh you know, there's that famous quote about accidents or coincidences happen uh to the prepared mind. You know, you're looking for them, you're prepared for them. Um and often when I stop to make one picture, I lose that one, but then something else happens that I couldn't foresee. Um, yeah you know I do see pictures going like when I'm driving or riding in a car, and they're going by all the time, and sometimes, even if you stop you know and pull over you just can't you just can't make it that picture with a camera you know but but anyway, um yeah, I see things all the time
0: okay, great
1: um you know I heard a talk. Uh, between Jocelyn Lee and Eleanor Carucci, who are two very well-known contemporary photographers. And uh, both of them had been dancers. Eleanor Carucci had been uh, a belly dancer. I mean, even during her career as a photographer. And Jocelyn Lee had also been a dancer. And she said, Jocelyn Lee said, I think that most street photographers are athletic or have some some of that you know in their past or in their present, um, because so much of it is about timing and kind of you know it's a game really. Um,
0: that makes that makes complete sense to me, and, and the reason why because it is it's about timing and about predicting where someone is going to be and move because that's a big part of at least like right. team, team sports. And, uh, you know, it's all about having an understanding of where people are and the relationships to people um, and sort right. of the different, and the different properties that your team members have and how they relate to each other. And I can mm-hmm. see like coming into a situation where you're taking a photograph, like in the schools, I can see right. that being that mindset. Yeah, I
1: thought it was, um, I had thought that before, um, and I mentioned it to my husband and daughter, and they sort of didn't really get it. Um, but so anyway, she said it in a way I thought was really understandable. You know, about the sense of bodies in space, bodies moving in space, right? Mm-hmm. And just what you said, being able to predict or have an understanding of where where things are going.
0: Interesting. I, I always find it interesting where you can map different creative activities to other things that are in the real world. <clears throat> like we just described, you know, mapping, playing on a team sport or being like a quarterback on a, you know, on a team to being a photographer. Um, Cause I kind of feel the same way with painting for me. A lot of times I feel like painting is like when I was a project manager where I would have to think, start in the planning stage in the strategy phase and start really, really big before you do anything. Um, and, you know, with the project plan, the vision, et cetera, like that's a phase of a, of a painting I have for me. Right. Ultimately it comes down to doing all of the work and, and then at, at the end buttoning up all the details and delivering it. And with a painting, it's the same way. Ultimately it's going to come down to me using that tiny little brush, you know, eventually, right. but there's a lot of other steps to get there. Um, so that's a, that's a fun thing for me. And that's a big part of this podcast is taking, um, what people do and kind of finding other ways to model it, um, that so it can, to share it and other people can relate to it.
1: Well, and you know, when I think about it, um, I don't know why it's, it's really, is it really important that people understand how I make a photograph or how other photographers may make a photograph. Um,
0: you're, you're saying it is important for people to understand? I'm saying,
1: is it, is it really important? Um, and I think the reason that sometimes I think it's important is because the assumption behind the other way is that it's all luck and it's not your talent or years of experience or, you know, um, that it has nothing to do with that, that it's just, you know, kind of the camera working. Um,
0: Uh, Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, if you're someone who is a fan, you know, if the hallmark of a fantastic actor or actress is that they just, it looks easy. Like it just happens. Right. People think that it isn't isn't necessarily, yeah, it isn't necessarily. and, And oftentimes the artists or the actors are okay with that. Like, they're fine with that, you know? It seems like I could do that um, when you really can't because behind it is all of this other stuff. So does it really matter, you know? Does it matter to you? It sounds like it might, but should it?
1: Well, it, it does, but I think also um, for actors, I mean, I've heard actors talk about, uh, you know, people's assumption that they're just being themselves that that character is just who they are, you know, that they're not acting. And yes. kind of pushing back against that. Um,
0: did that? Did, was your experience that they're annoyed at that?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, hmm. yes. Bec- or fiction writers who write and people think it's all autobiography, <laughs> you know, and they're saying, no, this is a constructed work. Um, you know, right. this is a work of fiction. I'm not just telling my own story. Um, So I think all three examples are assuming that there is no artistry in what the person is doing because, and you're right, because it looks so easy maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a good thing. I mean, when you see somebody windsurfing and, you know, doing flips and stuff like that, it it looks absolutely effortless. Um, And of course it it can't possibly be, or the you know, the Cirque du Soleil people.
0: Yeah. The the place where I see that is um, figure skating. Um, You know, when you see figure skaters where it just looks effortless and that's...
1: They're flying. Yeah, they're just flying.
0: When it isn't. Like they have literally been training. That is their life. They've been training every day and really to make it look effortless, you know, they're not going to be, uh, I'm assuming that's how you get the high scores is because it looks like it's just coming out of you.
1: Right. So I guess the difference in all those examples um, is the machine that is the camera. You know, that's maybe part of the difference.
0: What do you mean?
1: Well, an actor's instrument is their body and their voice. A skater, you know, there's a camera is a machine um, that you're using. And that's a little bit different than just using your voice or your body. like an actor does or an athlete or a singer or a figure skater. I mean, and that the camera has this long, long history of, um, you know, ever since it's beginning of people saying, you know, it's not mechanical. You know, there's a maker behind this machine. Mm-hmm. But, um,
0: so what yeah. do so what do you think of all of this? Because um, I think you li- did. You listen to my interview with Benedict Lasalle. Yes, I did. Yeah, because one of the things I talked to her, I asked her about was what does she think of of Instagram? In in that people are able to put forth all of these pictures or images into the world, and mm-hmm. what you know. And I think she her response was that it was she felt you know, uh, positively and negatively about it. Um, is, is any of that stuff even on your radar? Do you have an opinion on it?
1: Well, I think what I remembered her saying was that she was felt a little threatened by it. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of great pictures on Instagram when you're looking on your phone, but I, I think the thing is, and, uh, you know, it's, What is that phrase? Um, You know, it's a long distance thing. This isn't something about, you know, I'm gonna post a great picture today on Instagram and, you know, tomorrow and the next day. It's about, I've been working on this, on these themes for 40 years, you know. Um, So, I don't, I don't feel threatened by all that work on Instagram. I think it's overwhelming, you know, and I'm part of it. I'm posting there too. Um, I don't know, maybe there's just this glut of imagery and I don't know how it affects the fine art market. If there is a market or just people interested in, um, in people who've been working over a long time and who are publishing books or having books published. Um, I don't know. It seems to me like they're two separate things in a way. Okay. No, so I, I know they overlap. I mean, there's people who start on Instagram and then become editorial photographers or have books published because they get noticed for their work. Um, so yeah. in a way it, it evens the playing field in a lot of ways.
0: Um, well, you I, know. well, I think all of these platforms give, uh, you know, opportunities that weren't, there, and I've talked about this with many artists, um, you know, cause I've, I've talked to musicians specifically about this, you know, years ago, if you were a musician, you know, the only way for you to get your uh, music out to people is to play for them. Like you had to invite them into a room and play for them unless you could get your music recorded. And the only way to do that would be to work with a big, company, you know, you would have to have it turned into records and you can't do that in your home. You can't do that in your basement. You need a company to do that or to, to distribute it um, on, you know, and I guess the point is now anyone can record music on their computer. Um, they can edit it themselves, you know, they can, and then mm-hmm. they can share it on Bandcamp, YouTube for free. And it's the entire world can see it. I mean, that's incredible, and who knows? And so the question that I've had oftentimes is, obviously that's a good thing, but that's going to introduce all sorts of quality of product out there, you know? And there's, Mm -hmm. who knows? There could be the next great singer-songwriter is someone who is in a small town in Kansas with no money, and they're able to get something out on YouTube. Like that's how Justin Bieber started. Are you not that he's like a great singer-songwriter, but um, well,
1: he he certainly became a rich and famous singer-songwriter. Yeah, and
0: he started Yeah, I know that's how he started. He, he started on his mom posted um videos on YouTube. So, you know, Instagram's kind of potentially like you said could be the same thing for for photographers.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, it wasn't like I had all these stories inside of me that when I found photography, I could, you know, kind of unspool. but that learning how to use a camera um, allowed me to show my point of view, you know, even without talking, you know, it was in the picture. How I see things was built into the picture, um, and it was my way of understanding things and then commenting on things at the same time. So, I mean, you could probably call those little stories if you wanted, but they're little, you know, they were like each one in a way was a story. But it was a way of finding my voice, you know, was making these pictures that had a point of view and content in them that I couldn't even articulate if you had asked me, you know, I wouldn't have been able to explain it to you, but I could put it in a picture.
0: Sounds like a true artist. (laughs) Basically, you know, taking the world, rerouting it through Melissa's head, and then re-expressing it in a way um, that a little bit of you comes
1: through. Well, you know, people have said to me, you know, when they kind of see my pictures and talk about the metaphors or the symbolism, and you know that, and I think we talked about this, you know, that I must understand that when I'm making the picture, but you know, making the picture is uh, not a thought, you know, it's, I don't understand that stuff until later when I kind of get to know the work.
0: Right. Do you ever think, do you ever think about, I'm kind of fascinated with time travel. Have you ever thought about if you um, went back when photography was just starting, what subject matter you would capture? A picture she would take?
1: Well, I mean, I think I'd probably do what I did when I first started, which was I photographed my mother and my siblings, and um, that's probably where I would have started uh, because I'm interested in people and relationships. So, and I came from a big family where there was a lot of both, but I just reread. Um, a book about Julia Margaret Cameron's photographs. And she started taking pictures in England when she was 49, so it's like 1860. And um, her children gave her a camera. Her pictures were on glass plates that were 12 by 15 inches big that she had to coat in the dark, load in this huge camera, make the exposure, which was from three to seven minutes, and then immediately develop it. And if somebody moved during the exposure, it was probably ruined, and then she had to start all over again. Um, But anyway, she was the great niece of Virginia Woolf, and Mm -hmm. in this book, uh, Virginia Woolf writes about her. Um, And she was one of my early uh, influences, I would say, too.
0: What was it about her work? Um, Was it the fact that there was so much challenge to actually creating a a picture for her what what is no
1: i i didn't really i didn't really understand exactly how hard it was um no it was all about the pictures it wasn't about how she made them at that at the beginning no it was all about the pictures how how beautiful they were and how much emotion was in them and um and she was just a really unusual woman you know so She photographed all the great scientists and poets and artists of the late Victorian age. You know, Mm -hmm. Hennison, Herschel, um, I can't even think of all of them right now. But uh, she considered her work to be art, and she fought for it, and um, she was making these big prints. She didn't have a lot of technical um, expertise at the beginning, but... Anyway, why did I get off about, why was I thinking about her? Oh, because I think, um, you know, it's sort of how I started even before I knew of her. So uh, I think I would have done the same thing. Okay.
0: Okay, great. Um, All right, well, thank you. I think this was-
1: Well, thank you. This was a great addendum. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I hope so
0: my name is Ricky McEachran and you have been listening to eager to know the podcast if you haven't already please go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join me next week for another eager to know podcast